a reading from the letter to the Ephesians, chapter 1, beginning at the first verse. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you, heard, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance towards redemption as God's own people, to the praise of his glory. Hear the word of the Lord. Good morning and uh, it's, welcome to, it's great to be here today at Rabina Anglican Church again. I uh, have had the privilege of being here before and it's fantastic to see uh, the amazing progress that you've made as a church in these last few years and I want to commend you for that uh, because you've all played your part for your church to become the church that it is and for your church to continue to be open to new possibilities which is what we were partly thinking about yesterday in our time that we had uh, with those who came yesterday morning. Now, I wonder if you've ever had a time in your life when you felt totally pampered because some people thought, you know, it was a special occasion and it should be honoured in some way and you were indulged as a person. Do you ever kind of had a day like that? Maybe a special birthday, uh, a special anniversary, maybe you were being farewelled from something or you were being promoted to something 
hopefully all of us can reflect on at least one occasion uh, when we felt truly kind of pampered and loved by the people who we're connected with. Today, uh, you're starting a series on the book of Ephesians, and it's uh, one of my favourite books, and I hope that you'll have a great time in reflecting on it together. Uh, and this opening section is incredibly dense. You could probably have five sermons on this particular topic, but we've only got like 15 minutes or something, so we're going to go pretty fast this morning in terms of considering what we've got here. Bishop Tom Wright says that it's um, amongst Paul's writings, it's like the London Eye. You know the London Eye, the big wheel that goes around in London? which has been replicated in lots of different locations around the world, where you get in the London Eye and as you go up around on the eye, you get this sort of global perspective of what's all around you, like a bird's eye view of all the highlights that you can see when you go to London. And as the wheels turn in this particular book of Ephesians, uh, you get a bird's eye view of one theme after another within early Christian reflection. God, Jesus, the church, the means of salvation, Christian behaviour, marriage, family work, and he finishes with spiritual warfare. So you're going to be covering all of those things in the next whatever it is, five or six or six, however long weeks you're doing on this particular series. Uh, the letter's written by the Apostle Paul. It's written to a group of believers living in the city of Ephesus. Ephesus is a very significant city in southern Turkey. Uh, if you ever go to Turkey, uh, which used to be a great place to visit, but it's not so easy to go to these days because it's not as safe uh, it's an amazing location to visit with incredible ancient Roman ruins uh, and it's a famous place to actually go to. I had the privilege in 2014 of leading a service of Holy Communion in what used to be the synagogue in Ephesus and then became a meeting place for the church. Uh, so it was wonderful to be in the ruins leading this service of communion with the group that I was a part of. Uh, the opening section of Ephesians is remarkable because it's one sentence. So from verses 3 to 14, Paul just starts and it's like it just flows out of him and it just rolls on and on and on. Uh, for help, to help us uh, in the English, it's broken up into different sentences, but in the original, it's just one sentence as Paul overflows and gushes about what God has done in and for us in Christ. Now, there's many images you could think of to try and capture what Paul's good at doing here with this overflowing uh, acknowledgement that he gives. Uh, but one image is like the image of the champagne glasses. You know when they create a sort of a pyramid of champagne glasses and you pour the champagne in and it bubbles down? Uh, well, we're going to do it like a mini version of that, like a really, probably a micro version. Uh, and Stuart has got pulled out of his, you know, his pile of wine and other things that he has at home, an incredibly expensive bottle of wine. Is that right? It's called Trilogy. That's very appropriate. Uh, and you'll get a mini version of the, what we're talking about here. He's not going to aim it at anybody in particular. <laughs> Woo. Wow, there you are. <laughs> Woo, there you are. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Okay, so we're talking about the abundance, the overflowing nature of God's goodness and kindness to us in Christ. And in fact, that is captured in verse 3 where he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. 
it's pretty amazing, isn't it? Because Paul's going to go on and talk about these blessings that we enjoy in Christ Jesus. And he says that we enjoy every spiritual blessing, not some, not a few, not some, just a couple that might be available to us, but in fact, every spiritual blessing. It's pretty amazing to think about, isn't it? God doesn't hold back his blessing to us. In fact, he blesses us in and through Jesus Christ, as he says here, with every spiritual blessings. And these are spiritual blessings and we enjoy them, he says, in the heavenly realms. Now, the heavenly realms isn't some place that you have to go to to enjoy these blessings. It's not some location. It's the place where God dwells and where we actually get to be with him. Now, at present, we relate to God spiritually uh, and there will come a time in the future when we're gathered in the heavenly realms with God's people in the new renewed planet and we get to dwell with God uh, physically and we'll be present with him physically. But we enjoy these spiritual blessings, as he says, in the heavenly realms. Okay, well, the first off, the first blessing is the blessing of being chosen. In verse 4, he says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Now, remarkably, God had you and me in mind before he made the world, and it's as Paul puts it, God chose us to be his people. Now, this is a contentious issue for many people because they find this idea that God had us in mind, he predestined or chose us uh, to be disturbing because it seems to give the impression that we didn't choose God, he chose us. Uh, but the reality is, of course, that God's done everything that we need in order to become a believer and he's put us in a position where we can respond to him uh, by actually preordaining what's going to happen. And God predestined us to be adopted and included in his household and family. Now, didn't I choose God to become a Christian? Some people would say, well, that's true. You chose him because he first chose you. And didn't you decide to follow Jesus? Well, that's true too. Uh, you made real decisions to become a believer, but those decisions turned out, as Paul puts it, to be in conformity with God's will and God's eternal plan and purpose. Now, why God chose you and me is a mystery. It's not because we're particularly unique or distinctive or special or incredible. Uh, he chose us because it was a part of his plan and his purpose. And we should note that this is by the revelation of Scripture, not by deduction or human speculation. So I'm not talking about something here that I've kind of made up or thought about. It's something that we read about in Scripture, not just here, but in other places. Now, at present, we ourselves don't know who God has predestined to be saved. Uh, and so we should assume that any person that we're in contact with is someone who potentially is someone that God has chosen. We don't make distinctions in dealing and responding with people because we don't know God's particular plan and purpose for every particular person. And we should assume that every person is therefore potentially someone that God actually has included in his plan and purpose. So next time you're chatting with someone, don't worry about whether they're chosen or not because every person is someone that's loved by God and everyone is potentially someone that God is drawing to himself. But it is incredibly reassuring, in spite of these complexities, to know the fact that God chose us. God initiated the move for us to come to him. God did what was needed for us to be responding to him in Christ through Christ's sacrificial death on the cross on our behalf. God dreamed it up, he planned it, and he adopted us, and he accomplished it all through Jesus Christ. Now, I know that's a lot of complicated issues related to that issue, and we're not, I'm not, I don't have time today to deal with all of them, but it's a privilege and a blessing to know that God chose us. But secondly, the blessing of being adopted. In verse 5, he says, he predestined us for adoption 
to become the sons and daughters of God through Jesus Christ. So the other amazing thing that goes, comes next with God choosing us is that he adopts us to fully include us in his household and his family. We become sons and daughters of God with all of the privileges of being members of that household, the full privileges of being members of that household. God becomes our father, we become his children, and we ourselves as God's people become brothers and sisters together. Now, this could only happen because God lavished his grace upon us, as Paul puts us, by redeeming us from our sins and actually restoring us to relationship with himself and adopting and including us into his family. And we're given full membership of that family and that church, both locally and globally, because every Christian is both a local Christian who should be a part of a local church, but they're also members of God's universal or global church because we all belong together. Uh, and one of the phenomena of the last century is that the church has exploded in all sorts of parts of the world where it previously was in a minority, and we have had the privilege of living through that era. Now, in Paul's day, when people gathered in churches, they didn't meet in beautiful designated buildings like you're in today. They met in household groupings. Uh, they were generally much larger than what we might think of as a family because it included everybody who lived in the household. That included the owners of the household, the masters, the servants or slaves, uh, it included men and women, it included children and young people. So it was an inclusive household and a large household uh, and everybody enjoyed the same benefits because everybody in that household were fully adopted as members of that household. There might have been distinctions in the household in terms of how it functioned between slaves and masters, <coughs> excuse me, and Paul will talk about that later in the letter, but when it came to being God's people, they were full members together of that household and equally blessed. Now, we do live in an era when inclusion is a big value. In fact, you could say it's become the defining value of our era, the fact that we should fully include and welcome all people in our community, no matter who they are, no matter what their background is, or no matter what sort of distinctives they might have as people. Isn't that a big issue in our community? How do we welcome and include people? Uh, well, that's a big issue for the church because we have to work out how we can fully welcome and include people ourselves. Uh, and there are a lot of challenges and tensions related to that question, which I don't have time to go into today. But we should be a church that's welcoming people regardless of their background and regardless of a whole range of other distinctives related to them. And in doing this, we should reflect the way God has fully included us because he adopted us to be full members of his household and family. Well, thirdly, in terms of these overflowing blessings that Paul's talking about, he talks about the blessing of being united with Christ in verses 9 and 10. Uh, and one of the privileges of being God's children is that he reveals his plans and purposes to us. We're not autonomous individuals alone in the universe, just sort of making our way, stumbling along, trying to actually work out what we're going to do and where we fit or where we belong. God actually makes known to us his plans and purposes for the whole of humanity, as well as his plans and purposes for us as people. We're swept up and we're part of something much bigger because God's plan and purpose is to ultimately create a situation where the whole of humankind will be brought together, will be reunited as a community and will be living on God's renewed planet for all of eternity. So at God's chosen time, all that is currently not apparent and not obvious will become apparent and obvious. At present, we believe in God by faith and not by sight. 
we pray and we live out our faith in something that many people would think is crazy and stupid, but in actual fact is a deep conviction that we share and experience. But there will come a time, as Paul puts it here, when God's plan and purpose will be made clear and it will become obvious to all people that God's plan and purpose is actually being enacted and we get to be a part of it. Uh, the Lord Jesus will be seen to be the Lord of heaven and earth and the division and conflict and tension and harm and hurt that exists in our world will be fully re restored in this new unity that God is going to create uh, when he brings the heavens and earth to an end and we live on God's renewed planet forever. The hurting environment will be renewed and transformed and the divisions of race, wealth, sexuality, creed and gender will come to an end. That's God's vision for the future. And we get to be a part of that vision for the future and we got to get to start living out that vision for the future in terms of how we live our lives today. So it's incredible to know that we get to be united in Christ and we get to be a part of God's plan and purpose. That means that our lives have, have purpose and meaning today. The things that we're involved in, the things that we're doing have significance because we're swept up in this big plan and this big purpose that God has for the whole of humankind and for the whole of the world in which we live. Uh, and I think one of the, there's an important idea I think today because many people in our world today have embraced the idea that uh, we are only on this planet by chance. We have to kind of stumble along and find our own meaning and our own sense of purpose. And at the end of the day, when you die, you die and that's it. That's a pretty standard view, isn't it, that many people hold these days? That there is nothing more than this life uh, and you've got to kind of make the most of it. Well, what we're seeing here is that Paul's saying we're swept up in something much bigger than that. We're swept up in the whole eternal outworking of God's plan and purpose for the whole of humankind. And somehow the things that we do in our lives have significance because we're part of the outworking of that plan and purpose. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that personally inspiring to think that somehow the little things that I do in my life are significant because they're part of something much bigger that we're caught up in. Now, I'm not an expert in this area, so I only make these comments in a very humble and unassuming way, but it would seem to me personally that one of the reasons, not the only, all the, the total reason, but one of the reasons why there's been a significant rise in mental health issues in our community, which has been dramatic in the last decade, is because people don't have that sense of purpose. They don't think that their life is part of something bigger. They actually have been told that their individual life is not seemingly as significant as you can make it because there is no big or plan, of, or plan or purpose to be a part of. Well, we get to be a part of God's eternal plan and purpose and we get to be swept up in something much bigger and that means that our lives do have meaning today because we're playing our part in the outworking of that plan and purpose. Well, fourthly, he says we have the blessing of a guaranteed future. Uh, if you're in Christ and you've been chosen and predestined to be with him and you've given your life to God and you're seeking to follow him, then you have a guaranteed future because your life, as I've been saying, is swept up in God's plan and purpose and there will come a time when you get to actually experience all of that fully and freely because God guarantees that future or inheritance for you. Uh, there's two sides of the picture here. On the one side, God calls, he initiates, he chooses, he predestines, he reaches out, he speaks, he adopts, he sends Jesus, he redeems us through his death, he forgives, he accepts, and he invites, and he includes, and he connects us to him into a community of his people. That's a lot of stuff, isn't it? Which I've just said very fast. But on the other side, we hear, we're convinced, we reach out our hands, we open up our hearts, we respond, and we obey to his call. We connect and we commit. And we have to put our trust in him in good times 
as well as in challenging times. So today we strive to live out our faith full of doubts and struggles and tensions, but we do know that in the future we do have a guaranteed inheritance. And that's pretty exciting, isn't it? None of us know when we're going to actually go to glory and when that will be, and uh, we don't have control over that situation. But we do know that uh, when we do get to that point, we have a guaranteed inheritance. And that's one of these many blessings that's overflowing to us in and through Christ Jesus. As, we, as believers, we play our part to, world to, make, to make a world a better place as we fight for justice and we seek to do good deeds on God's behalf. Uh, and it, that's what we do in the meantime while we wait for this guaranteed inheritance to become a reality. Now, fifthly and finally, in all of this, Paul says, is the blessing of the Holy Spirit. In verse 13, he says, When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Uh, God blesses us with the Holy Spirit. It's through the Holy Spirit that we're able to respond to God. It's through the Holy Spirit that we can know God personally present in our hearts and lives. It's through the Holy Spirit that we can be strengthened to live the life that God wants us to live in this planet. And it's through the Holy Spirit that we can actually be renewed, enlivened and encouraged as we seek to live out our faith as believers. So if you have doubts, it's normal. So ask God through the Holy Spirit to remind you of his presence. If you're feeling overwhelmed with whatever's happening in your life at present, then ask the Holy Spirit to help you with the things that you need help with at present in your life, whatever that might be. Uh, if you want to ask God to work in the hearts of lives of those who, of the people that you love who don't yet know Christ, then ask the Holy Spirit to be a work in their hearts and in their lives. It's an incredible list of blessings that we've just had, isn't it? And we've only skirted over them, really. Uh, and as I've said, we could have probably had five sermons on each of the particular things that I've just touched on. In Christ Jesus, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And I think that leaves with, with, with a couple of questions to think about uh, as I finish today. Firstly, I wonder whether you've ever invited Christ to bless you with every spiritual blessing by asking him to come into your life. Now, you could assume that anybody who's coming to church today has already done that. Uh, but it, it's the reality that that isn't always the case. Uh, I don't know if you've actually saw, seen the series called The Crown, which was on Netflix, which has been uh, an amazing series. And in season two, there's in, this incredible scene where the Queen herself has a personal meeting with Billy Graham. I don't know if you remember that scene or not. Uh, Billy Graham had been in London uh, in 1954 to lead what was called the Haringey Crusade. It had an incredible impact in the city of London and across the whole of England. Uh, the Queen invites Billy Graham to come to Windsor Palace to preach at the chapel, uh, and then after it, she and he have a cup of tea. Now, I don't have detailed personal insight into the Queen's personal spiritual life, but we do know that she's a person of deep faith, uh, and she's been an incredible witness and example of that faith through her very long reign. And I think you could suggest that perhaps in the scene, I think the scene in The Crown suggests this, that something spiritually significant happened to the Queen in that contact with Billy Graham. Now, the Queen may be the head of the Church of England, but she still needed a personal relationship with the living Lord Jesus. And she needed to make a personal response to him. And that's the same for each of us. So God wants us to know every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, not some, not a few, but, men, not, not, but all of them. 
And we can only do that if we've responded to God personally. But secondly, I wonder whether you're open to a fresh sense of amazement at how much God has blessed you in with, with in Christ Jesus. Many of us here today, I suspect, have been believers for a long time. In fact, many of us, I suspect, probably have been believers for all of our lives. That would probably be true, would it not, for us gathered here? And it can be, we can all get into a situation where we can just take all of these things for granted because we've heard about all of these things for a very long time. And we can be uh, lacking in a sense of being overwhelmed by the spiritual blessings that are overflowing to us. Well, why not give thanks to God for the, for the reasons that he did cho- choose you? Be thankful for the God that he's fully included you as a member of his household by adopting you into his family. Give thanks to God for that guaranteed inheritance you've got. Give thanks to God and be abundant in overflowing praise to God that he's allowed you to be a part of the outworking of his plan and purpose and that your life has meaning because you're playing your part in the outworking of God's plan and purpose in our world. And give thanks to the God that he's actually blessed you with the Holy Spirit. If God's blessed us with every spiritual blessing, then we ought to be overflowing in our acknowledgement and praise of him for blessing us in that way. But thirdly and finally, I wonder whether the, the... the material blessings that many of us enjoy uh, are a distraction from these spiritual blessings that God's blessed us with in Christ Jesus. Uh, the, I know that those of you sitting there are thinking, feeling sorry for me because I come from Melbourne uh, and you have been greatly blessed here because you live on the Gold Coast. Isn't that right? Yeah, I mean, you know, as Stuart proudly told me that, what was it, 25,000 people have shifted from the Melbourne to the Gold Coast in the last year. So, you know, that might be the case, but those material blessings uh, can become a stumbling block to us, can they not? Because we are indeed materially blessed. Uh, Now, that won't be universally the case for everybody in your church, I know, uh, but nevertheless, most of us live incredibly comfortable lives and we've been incredibly blessed materially. And relative to just about anybody else living in the world, we live enviable lifestyles, do we not? Uh, well, we've got to make sure that in terms of have all these material blessings that we have, that they don't become either a distraction or something that actually detracts from our experiencing these spiritual blessings that God has blessed us with uh, in Christ Jesus. And there are two things, I think, that go with that. One, do those blessings dull us from the lavishness of God's overflowing goodness to us? But secondly, do we actually have a vision for doing something with the material blessings that we have for the sake of God's kingdom. Because if God has blessed us with material resources, then we have the rich privilege of being incredibly generous with our time, with our money, uh, and with our abilities and our prayers for the sake of God's kingdom. And we ought to have a big vision of how God can use us for the sake of others. Because we've only been blessed materially, not for our own blessing, but for the sake of others. Isn't that the case? And that's the vision we ought to have for ourselves as well as you ought to have as a church. Well, today, let me invite you to respond personally when we come forward for Holy Communion, uh, which at present in your church is only in one kind, when you come forward to receive uh, the bread or the wafers for communion, that's a chance to actually recommit yourself afresh to Christ, to give thanks to God for all these blessings that he's abundantly blessed you with and to commit yourself afresh to live for him today as you live out what it means to be a follower of Christ. Amen.